All right, we are going to finish our little two-part series that we did, we're doing in the month of August called uh, This Is How I Fight My Battles, and we've been focusing on the story out of 1 Samuel 17 of David and Goliath. So if you've probably, whether you've ever read a Bible or not, you probably at least have heard this story or it's uh, in popular culture and, you know, the story of a, a little kid beating a giant and there's so much more to the story, though, than just overcoming great odds, overcoming, you know, huge mountains are, are giants in your life. And what we started looking at last week was why was David's perspective different than everybody else when battles or problems came into his life? Because he wasn't the only one that was having issues. Like the whole nation of Israel, as we, as we heard a few weeks back, this this giant of Goliath, this whole Philistine army was showing up day after day. It said for 40 days, they were coming and challenging someone to come fight this giant. And no one was doing it until David showed up. He had a different perspective. And I don't know about you, I, I played football for a little bit when I was growing up uh, until it got too painful. And then I chose to sit in the stands and enjoy watching it more. But we used to do this drill. I think it was called bull in the ring, uh, where you were in the middle and you were surrounded by every, like by 15 people. And you had to like, you didn't know where it was coming from, but somebody was coming to like knock your, knock you over and you had to get back up and do it again. And it was just like, I think they would call that like abuse now, uh, but not sure if they still do it, but I don't know about you, but 2020, 2021 has kind of felt like you're living bull in the ring, right? Something hits you, and then all of a sudden, well, all right, I'm going to get up from that. Then boom, something else comes, and then again, and like, you know, we had a hurricane last week. There's a hurricane this week down in New Orleans. There's something on the news all the time. It's just like it keeps coming. And I love this series because what this series helps us do is to understand how do we fight? How do we actually engage when these problems come our way? And a few weeks ago, we, we looked at the first key, which was belief and understanding that believing in something beyond ourselves, placing our faith in something beyond ourselves is a powerful tool. Trusting in something beyond us. I don't, we, we talked about this. I know most of you, you know me. There are things and people bigger than me. There are problems more powerful, bigger than us, that actually can help us overcome things like fear, doubt, and discouragement. And we talked about how David's perspective was totally different than other men and women that were on the lines there dealing with this giant of a man and giant of a problem that was causing doubt and fear and discouragement in her life. And David immediately saw the problem, and he realized, remember, it wasn't his battle to fight, it was God's to win. It was God's to already win. But I want us to realize this morning that belief is not the end of the coin. It's a great place to start, and it's where we need to start to believe in something beyond ourselves. But we can get trapped into thinking that just believing is the most important and the only thing. Like just saying, you know, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Bible. I believe in showing love and compassion. I believe in forgiveness and restoration. I believe in heaven and the afterlife. But what does just believing in these things actually do for you? Just to say you believe them doesn't actually change anything. It gives you a perspective, but it hasn't actually changed something in your life. And what I want you to hear this morning, the truth we're going to build around, is true belief 
always evokes a response, which is obedience, which is actually doing something in response to what you believe. Belief sounds great, right? I believe this, I I read this, I trust this, I, I believe this. But when we hear the word obedience, even just the word obedience sounds bad, right? I mean, it's just like when, when somebody's disobedient, they get punished. It sounds controlling. It makes me feel inferior. It goes against my personal independence or personal liberty, liberties. I have to obey somebody else. Nobody gets to tell me what to do, how to live, what actions to take. I'm my own boss. Obedience seems like something that comes when we are defeated. But what we're going to look at this morning is obedience is actually much more than that and totally different than that. Thinking of obedience as defeat or control, that kind of mindset is actually a very, the very wrong way to look at what obedience is. But before we get into defining what obedience is, let's talk about what happens in our life if we only take on this idea of all, all I need to do is belief. If all we do is belief. Because belief without obedience leads to this. It leads to a cycle of what I call contemplation where we just like to think and talk about things. I, when I was in high school, I was on the debate team. You can call me a nerd if you want. I, I loved it. it was, I was, we were region champs all four years. I, I won state in extemporaneous speaking. This is how much of a nerd I was in high school. If you want to know what, how we actually compete in extemporaneous speaking, we would show up at this college or somewhere, there would five of us be sitting in a room, and you would walk in, and when it was your time, they would give you a current topic, a topic about some current event, and you had five minutes to prep, and then you had to talk for 10 minutes on this subject. And I loved it. Like, I, you, that's why I'm doing probably what I do now, right? But it was, this is, I love to talk. I love to debate with people. Debate was my favorite thing. I, was, I always loved being on the negative side of debate, because all you had to do was like get one argument to stick and you would win. And I, you know, I could do that. I just loved it. And, and this is what kind of contemplation is, right? It's a lot of talking, a lot of thinking, a lot of exchange, but no real action. One year, our debate topic was on some kind of comprehensive plan of agricultural change in the United States. I don't even remember what it was. But you know what we didn't actually do? is implement some kind of agricultural change in the United States. We just talked about it all year long. And so many times when it comes to our problems and we, all we do is operate off a belief system, all we end up doing is talking or debating about things. And this is what we see in Samuel to begin with here. When, when David starts to move toward the problem, there are things that come against him that just try to to take his belief without obedience. Look at 1 Samuel 17, 38 through 40. It'll be on the screen. It says, Then Saul, if you're not familiar, Saul was the king at the time. David had come. Goliath was there. He was getting ready to fight. And Saul had said, All right, go and may the Lord be with you. And then Saul took David and dressed him in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. And he said, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off, and then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch and his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the the Philistine, the giant Goliath. 
So I want you to see the first thing that contemplation can do here is, is contemplation can actually cause us to just ponder on our problems instead of actually approaching our problems. You see what, what Saul did here? Saul took David, who was ready to go fight, ready to become a man of action, and he said, let's, let's try to solve it man's way, my way. Let's ponder some things that will help you get better. Now, I am not talking about not growing here. We should grow. We should have other people investing in our lives. But the thing is, is we can get so caught up in trying out a thousand different solutions, thinking through a thousand different solutions, doing more research, trying to uncover new ideas, that all we end up doing is thinking about doing something instead of actually doing it. We can search every website, listen to new podcasts about our problems that we're facing, and try to get new perspectives to deal with this issue without ever actually doing something. We keep trying things on like David did. Saul put a new coat of armor. He put his tunic on. Here's the shield. Here's the coat of armor. Here's the sword. And none of it felt right. The only thing that eventually felt right to David was not pondering his problems with other people and, and just talking about it. And, and thinking of new solutions, it was actually doing, pulling out what he was most comfortable with. His shepherd's staff, his sling, and a pouch filled with five rocks that he had picked up. The thing that felt right was when he went back to the basics of God's truth that he had given him. And to me, for us, the basics of God's truth that get us from belief, just belief and pondering things to actually approaching our problems, is remembering this, that God has given us his protection. From the very beginning, we know God is, protects us. He protects us from harm. He protects us from pain that he can't heal. He will heal pain. God gives us protection. That's like his staff, right? The staff of David was for protection. God gives us his provision. He doesn't just perfect, pr- protect us. He gives us things to use in battle, like his pouch that David had that was holding those stones. And then his promises, God's promises, They actually say, this is where I can come through for you. This is how we can overcome this. God gives us those things. And so we can simply ponder them instead of approaching them. And that's what we get caught up when we just get caught up in belief. But then the second thing, David starts to to move forward. He he drops all the shield and armor that Saul was trying to put on him to, to weigh him down. And he went back to just the basics that God had given him. And then he stepped out to face Goliath, ready to fight. And Goliath responds to him here in verse 41, and here's what happens. And it said, the Philistine then, the Goliath, moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give you your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beast of the field. Now, if we go back, this was the same thing that Goliath had been talking and talking about for 40 days. He would go out and scream this and the the Israelites would just talk back. There was a bunch of talking going on. And so the, the second trap that we can fall into is not just pondering things, researching, and trying to come up with new solutions instead of trusting the basics of what God has given us. The second thing we can do, and I actually fall into this trap a lot, is contemplation can cause us to just pontificate on things instead of actually engaging our problems. And you know what? Talking about your problems sometimes helps for a little bit, right? 
It does. Like, I, I love to sit and chat. Many of you in here, like, we'll grab lunch and we'll talk about what's going on. And I love to talk. Talking brings up some good ideas. But it never allows us, we have to sometimes take a step beyond that, actually engage with the problem. Go out and actually do battle. We often, we can get in battle with words and ideas. We can debate endlessly. Our, our whole focus then can move our attention to the problem and off of God and God's provision. We look at the issue and it starts to consume our thoughts and minds. We ask, how did it get here? Where did it come from? I imagine the Israelites all looked at Goliath and like, where did this guy come from? Why don't we get a seven and a half foot giant on our team? Like, where did they find this guy? Like, just all these words going back and forth that impacts our thoughts. And here's what this actually does. The problem starts to mesmerize us, starts to engage our whole mind. And you know what that becomes then? It kind of becomes our God. It becomes the focus of our life. Our problem, instead of something that we engage and and, and attack, becomes something that we have actually placed in a position of authority in our life when all we do is have a belief system, but we never engage or act on it. It starts to operate as our God, a false God in our life. It has power over us. It exercises authority in our life. And I would dare say, probably as you look back over these last 15, 16 months, however long it's been since our world kind of took a left turn, like there have been problems. I know there's been times in my life when, whether it's been COVID or world issues or injustice issues that have been going on that, I, that just become so big in my life. They've, they've overwhelmed my thought and they've become bigger to me than God has. And I've had to remind myself that this problem, this issue, this giant who's yelling curses at me and is not for me, doesn't deserve to take up that much room in my mind and to push God out of it. And instead of just contemplating it and talking about it and pondering it, it's actually time to start engaging it by being obedient to what God calls us to do. So what is obedience? Because uh, the truth is belief always invokes a response, as I said earlier, and that's obedience. Then what is obedience? And I want us to finish up our time by talking about that and this idea of if, if belief isn't enough, if it's you know, the one side of the coin, how do we understand what, what obedience is as the other side? Not something we do begrudgingly, not a bad view. And I, I want us to look at a passage of scripture, Katie read it earlier from James, uh, that talks about how faith, belief, and action works uh, go hand in hand. Actual obedience go hand in hand. Now, before we look at this, let me give you an idea of this uh, in James, which is toward the end of the New Testament, who he's writing to. This is one of Jesus' followers writing to the church in Jerusalem. So people who were of a Jewish faith who had become Christians. So these were people who had stepped from kind of one belief system to another. And really all most of them had done was change what they believed. Okay, I don't have to believe in the law of Moses anymore as my primary belief system. Now I have to believe in the teachings of Jesus. And so they just moved a belief system without actually changing what they did, without actually starting to care for people, to show compassion, to show love, to forgive others. And so James is basically talking to a bunch of contemplators, pont- pontificators and ponders here and saying, you guys got to wake up. There is something more than just belief. 
And he starts in verse 14 and he says this, What good is it then, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? And the first thing I want you to grab out of his where he's talking about can that faith save him, can that faith grow him, is obedience is not a tool of control in our life. Obedience is an opportunity for growth. Instead, it's an opportunity for growth. It's not someone telling me what to do. It's following a path of wisdom that helps me grow. And this is what James is saying. What good is it if all you do is believe and actually don't put into action and grow from it and move past what you're actually dealing with? I want you to think back maybe to when you were in high school or or college. Think about a problem you had then that seemed so big, so large. I remember I had a problem. His name was Tommy Magookin. That was his name. Like, what, what image you imagine when I say the name Tommy Magookin? That's what a big wall of a guy, just a solid guy. And we actually weren't enemies, but he, he was bigger than me. He was like maybe Goliath in my life. But we shared a locker beside each other that was on the bottom uh, of the lock, which was like horrible to begin with. And like one day, I guess we both had bad days. And uh, he opens his locker. I'm trying to get in my locker we bump into each other, he shoves me, I shove him, and then it's like on. Like we're having a, a wrestling match in the middle of the hall in high school and this huge problem, like I'm, what's going to happen? It wasn't the fight that I was most worried about. It was when I got to the principal's office and they were getting ready to call my parents. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm dead. Like, I don't, please turn me back over to Tommy. Like, let him, I don't want to face my parents and this issue of having to overcome the disappointment or that I did this. And I remember when they came to pick me up and it was just so scary. But I look back on that now and I was like, for my parents, and we've talked about it before, like it was, I was a blip on this. We hate it happened, but you know, just get over it and go the next day. But in my mind, it was a problem I'll never get past. It was a hurdle too big. And, but the truth is I, I learned to grow by overcoming that. I look back now and that's nothing. And you can probably look back at things that you were worried about, consumed with, high school, college, 10 years ago, whatever that seem trivial now because you have grown, because you have been obedient in being willing to follow a path of wisdom that Christ has laid out for us. So obedience isn't about control, it's about growth. Second thing we see is in verse 15 and 16, and he continues and says this. He gives a tangible example. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them things needed for the body, what good is that? That sounds stupid, right? Like, oh, I'm sorry you're hurting. Please go. I'm sorry you're, not, you're hungry and you're cold. Please go and don't be hungry and don't be cold anymore. But don't do anything. And, and this is what we learn here. Obedience doesn't take away my identity. It's not like I can... You know, I have to change everything about me. Instead, obedience gives me the opportunity to display my God-given gifts and talents, to actually make a difference, to deal with the problem. So this tangible example he uses of somebody who's hungry, need of clothing, need of shelter, he's like, you can actually make a difference in this person's life. Not just wish them better, you can make it better for them. And the same is true in our lives. When we face whatever problem is fighting us in our face right now, we can deal with it and use our God-given gifts and talents to face it. Right? David used his staff, his sling, stones to deal with 
the problem. God has given us his protection, his provision, and his promises to fight with. It's an opportunity to display my gifts and talents. But then we see in the last couple of verses, 17 and 18, it says this. James continues, says, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. That's what they were arguing at the time. Well, you, you're, you're the guys over there who do the stuff. We're the guys over here who just talk about it. And he said, But show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. What, what James is saying here is actual, your belief grows as you actually start to act, to be obedient. Obedience isn't about losing liberties, losing my freedoms. It is about an opportunity to now live in abundance, to do something more than I ever thought that I could. To do more. Like you, you're saying, let me show you my faith, he says. I will show you my faith growing by my works. My belief what I believed about Christ, what I believed about teachings, his teachings is growing deeper every day because I'm putting it into action. I'm actually being obedient. So, belief plus obedience. When you put those together, what will it cause us to do? It will change us from being these ponders and pontificators to something else. And let's close by looking at this, uh, of how David actually did this. In verse 45, so they've been yelling at each other. They're coming face to face. Verse 45, David then responded to the Philistine, You come to me today with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all of this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with the sword and the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. See what David stopped doing here? He stopped pontificating with people, and he actually started to speak with authority. When we put belief and obedience together, we will start to speak with authority instead of endlessly pontificating. These aren't his ideas. This is... God's ideas. It's God's response. How do we speak with authority? By allowing authority to speak into our life, to fill our minds with the right things, to saturate our minds with the teachings of Christ. Don't just say we believe the Bible, actually study it, actually absorb it. Come at your problems in the name of the Lord of hosts, because you are fighting the Lord's battle. The Lord is fighting with you. You will speak with authority. I, I don't care how big Goliath was. I imagine that speech of David's probably at least got his attention. Like, wh- what? This little shrimp of a guy, you know, coming at me like, how does he speak with such authority? Like, it was so different than everything else he had heard from the rest of the Israeli army that it had to get his attention. And I don't care what problem you're facing, where you're at in your life, when, when you have the authority of Christ behind you and you speak it, it will get people's attention. But we don't just speak with authority. In verse 48, we see the culmination of the story here. And it said, Then when the Philistine arose, came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, and slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. 
the stone, stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. And so he didn't just speak with authority. Here's what else. When we put obedience and belief together, we start to act with assurance. We know what to do, and we act assuredly behind it instead of just having empty pondering going on in our minds. I, I love this. I love that my favorite part is where he says, David ran quickly toward the battle. He acted with assurance. The tools that God had given him, he had spoken with authority. He had had a whole different perspective. He knew that this battle was the Lord's, and he acted. Trust in what the Lord says and respond quickly as David did. Let me give you some things you do not have to debate if you're a follower of Christ. You don't even have to talk about, ponder, or pontificate with others. You don't have to debate if you should forgive. You don't have to debate if you should show love to others. You don't have to talk to other people about whether you should demonstrate compassion. You don't have to think about if you should pray for those who persecute you. You don't have to, to discuss whether it's right to love your enemies. You don't have to weigh the cost of living a life defined by grace and mercy. We can act assuredly in all of those things, plus thousands of other commands and promises that Christ has poured out in his teachings. We can act with assurance and speak those with authority, and when we do, it's going to get people's attention and it's going to deal with our issue, which is all great. This idea of belief and obedience coming together. But can I tell you what that little plus in the middle is? What, those, what binds those two things together that allows us to actually take a belief and put it into practice? And it's the idea of trust. The connection between belief and obedience is trust. It's trusting that what Jesus said is true. It's trusting that the way Jesus demonstrated his love and compassion and his mercy to others is true. It's trusting that the way Jesus confronted uh, hypocrisy in people's lives is true. It's trusting that the way he dealt with his enemies and those that fought against him is true. It's trusting to do that. And how do we develop this trust? I love Jesus gives us a pathway, and we're going to close with just this last passage of Scripture. And he says we do it. We can develop trust when we have community with our Creator through prayer. Through prayer. And he gives us a model prayer in Matthew. And if, again, if you've been around church at all or you've been on any sports team, you've heard this prayer. It's the Lord's prayer. But we often we just say it, and you know what we do? We, we say it in some kind of belief. I remember we used to do the Lord's prayer before every football game or baseball game and then say, God, help us win. <laughs> like, you know, that was our, we, we said your prayer, now you do something uh, for us. But that's not, this whole prayer is a prayer of growing in a cycle of trust with our creator. God, l- listen to what it says. Matthew 6, starting in verse 9, it says this. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know what that means? There is somebody in heaven, there is a God and it's not me. His name is hallowed. His name is powerful. His name is not Patrick. You know, it's, we're not even sure how to say his name, but it is not me. There is a God, 
and it is not me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's starting with belief, right? There is something beyond me. And then verse 10 says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is acknowledging that God's way, God's wisdom is higher than my wisdom. It's higher than your wisdom. It's a belief, right? So these first two verses are creating that belief in our life, reminding us of why we trust, why we look beyond ourselves. And now becomes the action. Give us this day our daily bread. This is a beautiful prayer of trust that reminds me I can trust God with my most basic needs. What I need today. God, what I need today, I need from you. I can trust you for it. And then then he goes on and says, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. This reminds me that, that I can trust God even in my most difficult relationships, which is where most of our problems in our life come from, right? From our relationships with other people. There are some big problems going on in the world right now, but, but probably what consumes our thought and time the most is the problems that are in our, going on in our apartments, going on in our homes, going on in our, our families, at work, in these relationships. And he's saying, please forgive me. Help me see where I fall short and help me forgive others when they fall short. I can trust him even in my most difficult relationships. And then finally, verse 13, he says this, and then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this reminds me that I can trust God even in my weakest moments. My weakest moments of temptation, when I am, my character is at its weakest, and my weakest moments when I am most vulnerable, when evil seems at my doorstep. He can deliver me from both of those, when I am failing myself and when others are out to get me. What a beautiful prayer. This model prayer that Jesus gives us is a beautiful reminder of how we take belief and obedience and tie them together with trust. There's a God. It's not me. His ways and his wisdom are higher than me. I can trust him with every single small detail of my life. I can trust him in most difficult relationship moments, and I can trust him in my weakest moments. So my question for you today is this. What step of obedience can you take today to grow your ability to trust the Lord enough to walk in obedience? What step of obedience can you take today to grow in your ability to trust the Lord? Maybe you need to remind yourself you can trust him with the smallest things. You've forgotten that. Maybe there's a relationship that's just gone south and you've stopped trusting him in that. Or maybe there's this evil at your door or this character issue that you just can't seem to beat and you've got to remember that he can trust you and give you the tools to walk through that but to do that you have to take the first step of trust and the first step of trust is actually inviting a relationship with Christ into your life actually connecting your life with his not just believing he existed not just believing that he said some good things but believing that he is who he said he was God in the flesh came to bring salvation for all mankind. Beautiful picture that he lived out and he gave us the tools to grow in relationship and to trust him more. Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me? It's easy to say we believe. I believe this, I believe that. 
whether it's about God or whatever going on in our world today, it's much more difficult to act, especially to act in obedience when what we're called to do sometimes goes against our own desires, our own passions. But today, could we remember just in this moment that obedience isn't about control or losing control or losing identity. It is about growth, demonstrating our gifts, and eventually growing in more dependence and abundance in our life. I think everybody in here needs to take some step of obedience. I know I do. There's more ways that I can trust God and follow Him to run toward the battle lines instead of just thinking about it or talking to others about it or debating it. Maybe I can't solve it all, but I can do something. I can trust Him more. I can speak His truth. God, help us this morning to know where we need to take a step toward the battle lines and what step we need to take. Not to just run with abandon, but to run with purpose, to approach it with authority and to act with assurance because you have given us your protection, your provision, and your promises to lean on. God, we're grateful for that in our lives. We're grateful that you have showed us the way. That you gave us a prayer to hold on to, to help us grow in trusting you more. Allow those words to resonate in our hearts and minds this week.